Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to have you with me. And especially today, we have a great show for you put together. Um, a lot of great guests. And I'm going to get right into it because we're squeezed for time. My first guest is Allison Gokul. And uh, she has a law practice. It's called Gokul Law Group, Inc. in Foothill Ranch, California. And they focus on representing injured victims of product defects and catastrophic accidents, as well as beneficiary personal injury and trust litigations. They're warriors for the injured and wronged, seeking to bring justice through litigation. And uh, Allison, it's my pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Bill. What a, what a great introduction. I love it. Well, you, you know, it, I love seeing uh, introductions, especially from law firms. Let's face it, sometimes law firms and accounting firms, sometimes they can be a little dry in their marketing. But uh, what I like is we're warriors for the injured and wronged seeking to bring justice through litigation. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came up with, uh, with that theme for your practice. So uh, I, I've been working in this area for longer than I'd like to admit, probably uh, just, uh, just under 15 years. And I had a brother a long time ago who um, passed away after swallowing a hearing aid battery at the age of 11 months. And uh, my, I realized from an early age that manufacturers sometimes mess up and put junk on the market and it causes mm-hmm. catastrophic injury. And growing up, I watched my parents being involved in litigation and fighting so that way a warning label and a little tiny screw was added to hearing aids to ensure it doesn't happen again. And that really ingrained in me and um, became part of who I am, wanting to change the reality and ensure manufacturers are held accountable. Our other side of the practice is the trust litigation because my husband runs that department purely to, to right the wrongs you, you, using whatever means we can in, in the legal department, in the legal field. That's an amazing story. I'm so sorry for the, your loss at such an early age and what, uh, what an indelible mess uh, image that left in your mind, but look what came out of all of it. It's um, seeing your parents uh, fight for, um, uh, for justice, basically, or for, or for fixing something that was wrong really put that into your, your mind, it sounds like. It, it did. I mean, it, it, every challenge, every um, sort of ditch that we hit is an opportunity to rise 
And it's something I, I try to remind my clients that I cannot undo what happened, but we can move forward and give you a sense of justice to ensure that this doesn't happen again to another family, to another person. And that's our goal. That must be very comforting for your clients. I'm sure, you know, they, they uh, in, um, enjoy the, the, uh, the knowledge that you're going to fight for them and, uh, and you're on their side of the table. So uh, you want, when I asked you what the topic title of the interview should be, you said contingency law, equal access to lawyers no matter your current socioeconomic status. Um, why did you select that as your topic title? And let's, let's talk about that. So, especially in what is going on currently in the political environment, uh, where you've got a huge socioeconomic divide that's being brought up and, and spoken about, and the pandemic, you start to see a big disparity. But what my goal in our contingency world and what our firm does is we try to use a business model that enables justice, not just for those that have the ability to hire attorneys, but justice for those who have been wronged. And that's why we work on a contingency model. If our clients don't get paid, we don't. And it, it is an unfair system in that my, the reality is our clients will never get 100% value because in order to pay for what we do, we take a percentage of the settlement or the judgment. But at the same time, we're providing access to the courts. We're providing access to justice and to the know-how and knowledge to get our clients' rights um, adjudicated. You know, uh, contingency, of course, has been around for, for a long, long time. Um, and I think um, most listeners would probably say, well, there's, there's the right reasons for contingency and the wrong reasons for contingency. Um, the wrong reasons would be frivolous lawsuits, and it, you know, invites it invites uh, I don't know junk in the courtroom. But you're doing it for the for the reason that the the client basically um, deserves representation, um, right? So let's talk about that a little bit about the the wrong reasons and the right reasons for contingency. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's funny. I, I hear uh, people say, oh, contingency just leads to more uh, more litigation and more um, questions in the, and just basically gunking up the courtroom. But the reality in, in my world and in my perspective is that I'm not going to take a case because I'm not going to invest my time, my staff's time, my name, my uh, money on a case that I don't believe in and doesn't have merit. And I think all of the attorneys that I know that work in contingency believe the same way because if it's a junk case and if the person's lying or making up something, then it's not worth my time. I'm going to be losing money and I'm going to be losing um, my name and putting, you know, putting my name on something that's junk. And so we, we do vet our clients and that's one of the beauties of our firm and having our own firm is our clients become part of our family. My husband and I started this firm, it was just the two of us, and then we've grown quite a bit since then. And we realized that our clients become the topic of conversation around the dinner table, the, the topic of conversation with car mm -hmm. rides. And it is important for us to not only put our hearts 
behind them, but our money, our brains, our know-how, our entire team. And for us, it's we want clients that are doing the right thing, that have been wronged, and that's a prerequisite when they walk in the door. Yeah, you, you would assume that, you know, the the trust and integrity comes first, not the financial gain from a, a situation. Um, and uh, you're, you're truly helping people. So I, I know what you're saying is that you're probably asking each other, well, who are you helping today, not, not you know, who's your client? Who is your favorite client? So uh, our clients have ranged in, in every aspect, and, and I don't have – there's no – specific uh, demographics for our client. I mean, I've had clients, a couple of clients that have been homeless that I have to track them down on cell phones and find them. I've had clients that have personal, have massive trust funds and their entire goal is to put the settlement into a charitable trust to give away. The commonality between them is, is truly that they've been wronged. Someone has caused them harm, someone has taken advantage of them, someone has put, or some business or person has put their own greed and interest over the safety and well-being of another person. And that's, that's the common thread between all of our clients. What type of legal rights um, are you able to protect? Yeah, so our, the personal injury side, the product liability is, is pretty uh, pretty clear cut. I mean, when if a car has rolled and the roof is crushed and someone's catastrophically injured, that's that's the type of client we can help. Um, a car seat defect, something that's happened. But on the trust litigation side, it's a little bit more complicated because sometimes you'll have um, a will or a trust that's been modified and nobody realizes how much everything comes comes to an end. And that's, that's when we really have to dig and, and unwind a lot of the financial uh, underhanded pillaging that often occurs when people are in uh, putting their greed hat before their family hat. Take both of those and maybe uh, offer some uh, tips for our listeners. Um, if they think that they've um, been the... Uh, a victim of, a, say, a, a bad product, uh, including a Tesla that <laughs> accelerates unwillingly, um, if they think they've uh, maybe got a case? Yeah, um, the, the first and foremost, and, it, and it's funny, I, I love and hate the world of social media, um, how it failed and the way it was used is awesome. Um, the That is essential to any product liability case is maintaining that product and, and taking photos of it at the time. I know many people are not really focused on that if they're being rushed out um, from a scene with for, via an ambulance, but at, as soon as possible, protecting the vehicle, the, the car seat, whatever the product is, um, and then taking photos of your physical health journey, not just to track what's happened to you, but it's also to show you how far you've come and how your recovery has gone. And, you know, I've, I've had clients that are unable to move in bed and then progress slowly to being able to walk with a walker. 
And sometimes keeping those videos and photos is a reminder of how far and how much they've accomplished in the, the long journey of recovery. Makes a lot of sense. So really documenting what the situation is and, and the, um, uh, the progress uh, of, of yourself if you're injured, for instance, or you know, just really keeping, starting a good file um, we have all the tools at our disposal on our phones, so just really starting a good mm -hmm. file. What about the situation you mentioned where an elderly person has been taken advantage of? What are some of the common things that you might see in your practice that, that you'd like to tell our listeners, hey, keep an eye on this kind of behavior or this kind of activity, um, and maybe we can uh, avoid um, grandma not having any assets? Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's there's a pattern that happens. It's usually a sibling or a grandchild or some estranged cousin moves in with grandma suddenly to take care of grandma and then mm -hmm. not un allowing grandma to get on the phone, not allowing grandma to have access to her bank accounts anymore. And suddenly that, that estranged family member is now on the accounts as a joint account member. And, and then the trust is hidden. The will is not being provided to people. And when there is things happening behind closed doors, that's when the risk occurs. Transparency is always the key to truth and honesty, understanding what the assets are. Is there enough money to take care of, of mom or grandma as she continues to decline in health? And that's that's very crucial. The other thing that I think is essential is getting a proper trust in, in place, going to a, an estate planning attorney and getting everything put together and not doing something on legal Zoom or, or whatever website you can find, but actually paying and investing thousands, a few thousand dollars in a proper trust because it puts it brings the conversation forward, the uncomfortable conversation that has to occur, and makes sure that there are things in place to protect mom, grandma, dad, and yourself. Great point. Now, a lot of people, of course, maybe they have a trust, but it's been quite a while. It's gathered some dust. How often should they have uh, or, or ask for that, those types of things to be reviewed, either because of legislative changes or just just to update things and make sure that all of the, um, say, beneficiaries are current and, and the situation still makes sense. Yeah, that, that's a, a great question. I, I, my, my feeling is that every five years you need a look, or in, in more real senses, anytime a new child is born, anytime a new property is purchased or there's changes that happen. So, for example, transitioning out or changing or modifying their, their current work habits, they need to be also working hand-in-hand -hand with an estate planning attorney to make sure that every, all, all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. Yeah, good point. Uh, and, and as you say, I mean, every time there's a big change, now for uh, an elderly person, that could be uh, a grandchild. Maybe they maybe they started off uh, leaving things to their children, and then if their children passed, maybe to their first grandchild, and they never updated after that. 
they don't want that. They want to be remembered well by everybody um, in the future, right? So, so updating for at big change events. Um, Allison, what would someone? Um, why should someone visit your website? What would they find at your website? So we've we've had a very conscious effort over the last three years of putting more information in blogs and research for just the the general um, regular person to be able to understand their legal rights. And we've been working really hard on having resources for not even potential clients, but just for the community. Because my big push in everything I do is if there's something that doesn't feel right, it's just a matter of understanding and knowing. And with knowledge, we actually are able to overcome so much more. And if you understand your rights, you're able to be a better advocate for yourself. That's great. So what is the best way for um, for a listener to get in touch with you and, um, and uh, maybe start a conversation? Yeah, so... I'm, you know, always available. Uh, my our website is gokalaw.com, G-O-K-A-L-L-A-W.com, and then my email is Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at gokalaw.com, and I am a little too compulsive about my email, so um, I I will always get back to you. <laughs> okay. I can tell you, uh, uh, listeners, that I see Allison in um, a group called Provisors. We see each other fairly often out there, and uh, it's a networking group for, for, for professionals. And the other advisors always give glowing reports and thank yous for clients that they've referred to Allison and her firm for the, the attention uh, and care that, that that their clients have been given. So that's a great testimonial uh, from others out there when you see other advisors saying, thank you, I'm so glad I referred someone to you. So, Allison, uh, really appreciate you coming on today. It's been a real pleasure to have you. And uh, look forward, mm-hmm. you know, I hope you'll come back and uh, keep us posted on some uh, cases that you're working on next time um, and, uh, and keep us up to date. Will do. Thank you, Bill. It's really been an honor. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.